You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where focus is people and our language is coffee. My name is Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. This is your platform for people-focused coffee talk. Ah, good morning, friends. It's not morning everywhere. It's a great day to be alive. It's, it is a great day to be alive. Well, if you're on your way to work or you're on your way... Wherever you are, vacation, maybe you're on maybe the off mountains. today, maybe you don't want to work and you're not working. Or if you're just driving around doing some errands uh, with a cup of coffee in your hand, hopefully. Uh, we've got a great episode lined up for you today. But before we jump into that, Wes, you were sick last week. I feel like we need like a proper, yeah. how are you feeling, where are you at with that? <laughs> Do you want to talk I'm about it? I'm at where it's at, man. I'm feeling good, feeling chipper as ever. All right. Um, well, okay. There's nothing, oh. like, there's nothing like a, <laughs> you know, a trip and a fall that will just kind of get you right back up again. So <laughs> it sounded like we just trip and fell. <laughs> knocking the mic. All right. Anyway, uh, so let's. Uh, okay, we're done about you. Okay, thank you. Moving on to more important things, like have you ever considered how you walk into a beautiful coffee shop, and it's just like things are glimmering, and the wood is so nice, and you don't know what it is, so you go to the front counter cashier, and you're like. Do you know what kind of wood this is or countertop? And they look at you like, I don't know what you're that talking about. That is the about. ultimate snob, by the way. Okay, anyway, the point <laughs> is, how often do we walk into a beautiful space, especially coffee shops, and go, you know what, I am just so thankful to so-and-so architect for designing this space. Do you ever do that? Not often. I mean, I do recognize the, the beautiful cafes for sure. But I think what I recognize the most are those cafes that just don't work. You're waiting in line and people are trying to squeeze by you to get over there to the milk and sugar or you're just, you know, pretty much waiting behind someone's seat. You're always, you're always quick to the milk and sugar. Is that what Uh, you just said? Well, (laughs) regardless, you, you notice, you notice the cafes that don't work. I feel like a lot more than the ones that do because the ones that do work, you just walk in and it's like, wow. It's smooth as butter. It's awesome. You slip in and out like, you know, like uh, butter on French toast. But I'll be honest, man. I've never. Butter on French That's toast? That's a thing. Don't worry okay. about it. I have good news for you, but, Wes. <laughs> what's that? The good news is we have a gentleman on the show today who is an architect in New York City, Manhattan. Hmm. And you know what he's doing? What's that? Some beautiful design that works. Coffee shop. Coffee shop. You Designs know, fact, that work. He is the coffee architect of... You heard it here. You heard it here. The, the coffee architect... Uh, agreed to be on the show for an interview. And Super fortunate to have let's, him on. Let's roll the film. Let's dive right in. Sure. Uh, first name, Selim. Last name, Varel. It's a Turkish name. I am from Istanbul. Um, I am in my late 40s. And I am, you know, an immigrant in New York City. Um, well, I'm an American citizen now, but I came here um, uh, from Istanbul when I was 23. Hmm. Um, and that's about 20 plus years ago. Uh, I had studied in architecture. My father is an architect as well, so it was, it's just been in my blood, I guess. And I studied architecture in an amazing city uh, called Istanbul um, and, uh, and came here, did my master's, worked at um, uh, various firms. And then about a decade ago, I established my own firm. 
and yeah, I'm uh, I'm married. I have a wonderful son, and I live in Brooklyn, and I love coffee. Yeah, awesome. I, yeah, I, and the coffee part we'll definitely jump into. Um, and Salim, we've seen you. You know, we've seen you in different uh, coffee articles here and there. Uh, you've done some uh, some really beautiful work. It looks like in Manhattan mainly. Thank you. Yeah, mainly Manhattan. Correct. <clears throat> okay. And uh, yeah, so you've gotten some recognition from different uh, coffee uh, <clears throat> producing and papers and things like that. Um, and so we're really excited to have you on the show. You are an Thank architect, you. right, yeah. by trade. Correct. Um, but you love coffee. And, um, Correct. So we're excited to dive into that. So what what is your relationship to coffee? How would you describe your relationship? Um, what coffee means for me is... is it's psychologically more of an intellect, you know, um, I, I wake up in the morning and the first thing that, um, that, you know, other than my family and the people, the first thing I interact with is coffee and it's sort of a ritual for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes uh, do a little yoga in my uh, living room. I've learned a bit about coffee. I, I you know, have my first coffee. And the first sip I take is really important to me. And um, and along the day, I, you know, sort of my second ritual is um, I actually have a little, I have a small office in Manhattan. I have a small uh, electric heater and I do um, right after lunch. If I'm in the office, I always uh, cook a, um, a cup of Turkish coffee. Um, Very cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, it sort of is, has become psychologically and physically a part of my life. And I never actually envisioned that this would happen, but I sort of became a coffee architect, you know. that. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, so that's sort of the basic crust of where I come from. Yeah, that's amazing. So, Salim, when do you think, uh, if you could put a finger on it, like, how you got involved or introduced to coffee was it uh, early in your childhood um, perhaps maybe at university or when you um, moved here to the United States and continued your education you know and what what part of your life did uh, coffee make its biggest impact well um <clears throat> I think it started in in college actually uh, in my um, early twenties. Um, I started to go to architecture school, and it was a very intense education with very long hours. And especially um, right before my studio classes, which was mainly about producing drawings and models, about designing a project. Um, back then, I used to smoke, so I would just smoke and drink a lot of coffee and this would start by like 10 p.m go up to 2 or 3 a.m in the morning and and i realized it sort of uh, it became a part of my intellectual life and actually when i first read um uh, back then when i first read the introduction of coffee to europe which started with the ottoman uh you know army uh sieging uh, uh vienna and leaving the coffee bags uh you know there um and it sort of became a big sensation in Europe, and uh, a lot of philosophers, you know, there these coffee um, uh, shops started to pop up, and it became a um, uh, it became a routine for philosophers, musicians, you know, writers, artists, and it somehow what really clicked with me in terms of my mental stimulation that 
Um, it's it's and it's a strange thing. It both suits me and both stimulates. So yeah, hmm. just I love it. No, that's awesome, and and it's also cool to to hear the uh, the sounds of the city right around you. you. You're smack dab there in Manhattan, and you said the marches are going on, right? That's that's correct. There's a you know we love marching here. I was at the women's march a couple of uh, weeks ago, and yeah, three four hundred thousand people. And wow. today, actually, I did not attend any marches today, but uh, it seems that because it's International Women's Day, there's a lot of uh, protests going out there right. in terms of you know rights of uh, women. Yeah. So so you're right there where there's there's a lot of culture. I'm sure there um, and coffee culture speaking i'm sure you've heard the terms specialty coffee and uh-huh. third wave coffee what do those terms mean to you well uh, it means to me uh, the specialty coffee means the art of coffee and uh, third wave means you know i think it's something that i really connect to and um i i, I you know i don't know the exact specifics of the third way in terms of uh, you know historical evolution, but you know my clients you know to, they say Toby's estate and Irving yeah. from coffee roasters they um, you know consider themselves third way, and yeah there's there's a lot of experimentation and um, and non conventional um, uh, sort of dedication of of producing good coffee and both these clients that I became good friends with spent a lot of time with and they every time I meet with them they give me a cup of coffee and they genuinely mean it there's something about it's not about making money for them they genuinely mean uh, this you know this hospitality and and it really does mean something to me yep right no that's awesome yeah, yeah and and you just mentioned Toby's estate now, have you you've worked with them in creating some of their cafes? Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, which projects were you on specifically with Toby's Estate, and how did that go? It went great. It was very challenging for me as well because uh, my first project with them was about two years ago. They had worked with um, a couple of designers until then, and. Um, and it was for a small gig at Grand Central. Um, uh, you know, there was a a new food hall at Grand Central, and I was to design a kiosk for them. That was about you know thirty feet by yeah, nine feet. That's right not on. very big yeah. at all, is it? No. Well, this was yeah. This was in a like a kiosk in a uh, food hall, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was my. Um, it was actually my second. Before then, I had designed something, another small cafe called Iconic Cafe, and this, when I met with um, Adam and his crew, uh, the the amount of information I was getting from them in terms of you know coffee and equipment and uh, choreography of uh, a a barista was first overwhelming. So I just sort of hit the drafting board. I did a lot of research, learned about it. I kept my you know, I observed their cafes and how a barista works, and uh, and I, you know, even liked it more because yeah. it, it really, it, it really became a, a you know, I, I got to experience the dynamics of a coffee counter. You know, first, purely um, for technical reasons, that there is, you know, it's like a beehive, and yeah. something about something about coffee is, you know, uh, even more so than fast food. Depends on 
being able to handle a um, 8.30, um, you know, like a morning rush, right, right. or after, uh, after a lunch rush. And, you know, beyond aesthetic... Um, uh, beyond aesthetics, a designer needs to understand how the coffee counter works and what's the circulation and what's the dynamic behind there. And if you can't get that right, there will be a lot of frustration between baristas, people, people yeah. who will bump, bump into each other. And mm -hmm. there will be, well, that will affect your business, that will affect your employees. So, yeah, that was a. So I learned a lot from Adam and um, and and designing that first gig. Wow! So so this was your first coffee gig, and man, it seems like you you pretty much just had to go and research your habitat, like research this whole new environment, um, to to kind of get this flow of architecture down. What would you say would be probably the biggest eye opener for you while doing this research? Um, where you just kind of you took away, uh, you know, some really insightful knowledge, uh, you know, of the processes that go on behind the counter. Well, um, what I learned even more so than a say a cocktail bar, I cannot really think of any, at least in the realm of you know, at, at the realm of food preparation you know, food and beverage business, uh, I cannot think of any other um, uh, area that is more intense than behind the counter with the cashier, you know, the relationship of the cashier and and the barista. Hmm. Um, and, um, and, and of course, this is in, in evolution. You know, I think, uh, you know, there are new equipment coming out, splurties, this and that, you know, they're just constant new ways of making coffee and so the the counter is in constant evolution hmm. and um and and so a big big eye opener my first lesson was really i realized the intensity of the space and um and i realized every inch counts you yeah. know and especially every inch between the um uh, you know, espresso machine, the pitcher rinser, um, the you know where where milk is stored, whether it's on on top of the counter or in a in a fridge, you know, and and of course the grinders. So that triangle was sort of a sacred hmm. triangle, and and it was also interesting that each client had a different way of doing it, and it sort of differed from each other. Maybe about you know maybe left to right, right to left, or the milk in the fridge or milk on, on the counter, but it did make a difference. Um, so I think that was the first lesson. Yeah. And I mean that what you just said, I think is a, is a common going back to what you said earlier, if the space is not designed functionally, uh, it's a frustration to everybody. It's a frustration to the barista, the cashier, mm. um, the customer. Right. And, um, and I, I've seen a lot of shops that are, are designed poorly, frankly. I, I worked and, in one. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it's really, it's exciting to, to even know that you, you're you now being considered the coffee architect because um, That's correct. before, uh, really before I've heard of you, I've not uh, heard of anybody who's really designing coffee shops that are both functional and beautiful. And I think it takes a lot of, skill obviously um and it's cool to, to to hear you kind of dive into what it really takes for something as small as a kiosk and i mean you're you're talking like 
every inch matters in a kiosk and and yeah yeah major respect for that sort of thinking around a coffee shop um thank you thank yeah. you yeah absolutely so um i have to ask you um is there any way that you think coffee shops can be innovative with their designs without compromising workflow? Do you have any um, ideas that you can share here in the podcast, um, things that you picture in your head or things that you've executed that you think are really just uh, unique um, to the way that you design? Sure. Uh, I think I think there are a lot they, they can do. Um, and so at that point, with that question, I would divide just for the you know sake of simplicity. I would uh, divide the discourse into two. One one would be again the counter and the service, and the other would be the seating. and And I think you know once we move to seating, the hospitality business, including coffee business, is about the art of seating. You know, hmm. um, and and I and I think that. Um, uh, you know, coffee spaces and entrepreneurs, you know, they really need to think about um, who their um, clientele is and what kind of seating is appropriate for, you know, their brand. And whether it's more relaxed, whether it's a business crowd, whether it's a, you know, student town, and really just create genuinely interesting spaces you know for the seating i will give a tip to you know uh, anybody under the umbrella of you know who's interested in the art of seating is you know i think they should look at um for instance the new generation of the off uh, office space because office space hmm. has gone through a major renovation starting with the google offices right mm-hmm. you know that that the notion of the office space was no longer you know was was no longer a formal space, but it was a it was an incubator, so to call this, you know, yeah. te- the technological incubator, and they created amazing spaces, you know, lounge spaces, hammocks, you know, pool tables, you know, little niches in the wall where you could just go in there, put your headphones or cubicles, whatever it was, and I actually got inspired by some of those ideas hmm. and um, and tried to bring that into my exploration of the art of seating. Yeah, the art of seating, that's that's not anything I think I would have considered. Uh, you know, you hear the art of coffee and coffee, the art of uh, even the bar, but the art of seating is a totally untapped conversation on, on our podcast, at least. For sure. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so, Salim, as yes. you've been designing these, uh, these amazing uh, coffee shops, have you ever noticed any major design flaws in some of the other shops you might have frequented? Um, something that would have just stuck out to you, and immediately uh, you you saw that it could be a problem. Um, have you ever stumbled upon anything like that? Oh, a lot. I think hmm. you know. I think the the major um, one of the major red flags would be the flow, getting the flow wrong, uh, and a lot of places do that. So. And there are two kinds of flow. Again, it's the technical and the, you know it's, it's the service and the customer flow. And and um, and the customer flow starts with the entry point where you enter the store and what's the first visual connection you make to um, uh, to the coffee counter and where the cashier is. And you know, as designers, you know, our sort of rule of thumb is. 
uh, there's a sequence to it and how the queue forms and the queue should not be a complicated queue it should not make s or c shapes if possible and hmm. that's some you know depending on the uh, depending on the shape of the the, uh, the space you may have to do c or u shape or s shape uh, you know the, uh, queues but a more straightforward queue starts with the entry point approach to the pastry case and going to the cashier and ordering your coffee and uh, you know with your pastry if you if you have picked out a pastry uh, I for, I'm, I'm sorry I forgot to mention the grab and go station now you know the pastry case and the grab and go station where you reach in and get a you know juice or a yogurt you know it just goes together and then you order your coffee and then at that moment you have to be directed to the waiting area that's close to right. the, the espresso machine and you know, and if you get this wrong, then your your cafe doesn't work, and there'll be and you'll lose a lot of business, and eventually, um, yeah, uh, eventually you'll probably fail. Would you Would you say, Salim, that a a non clear queue system is a confusion to the guests, and that's why they don't come back? Of course, it's confusion and frustration, and hmm. especially the morning rush in a you know, in major. American cities where there's a lot, I mean, even small towns have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, queues because in the morning people are going to work, whatever they're doing, right. you know, whether they're a contractor or a farmer or um, or office worker, they just want to get to work. So it frustrates everyone. Right. And, and in Manhattan, uh, are you having to think about inside and outside space since these lines probably form uh, at, at a length? Like, are you having to consider when you design... What is the queue going to look like inside? And if it draws outside, what is it going to look like? Like how does that question make sense? It does because, well, there are two ways. Well, the outside is generically the, the lighting and the signage. And okay. beca because there's a lot of night traffic here, um, that if, if, if there's any night traffic, then th that is a good opportunity to do um, marketing for your, you know, your cafe is closed, but your sign is there. And right. you have to light your sign so people can see XYZ you know, coffee shop. And you're constantly communicating with your uh, clientele. And the second, um, uh, and I think the second category to connect uh, with, with the um, passerby and your customers is a frontage, you know, you see a lot of people putting messages and whatnot. Beyond that, you know, um, I think be uh, benches with plants, um, with visually stimulate, you know, umbrellas <laughs> or awnings. It's kind of visually comforting and, um, and attractive uh, artifacts actually create a life. So there's a big difference between a store that is just bland and and a store that has life in front of it. So when you're passing by, you just look at well, there are people sitting looking at me. I'm looking at them. You know, it's a connection. Right, right, yeah. And, th and there's a lot of opportunities for those connections. Man, there's certainly a lot to think about when designing one of these coffee shops. And it seems like you've got certainly um, quite the professional grasp on how uh, the queue of a coffee shop should flow, the interior and the exterior. And I just want to know on like a personal level, you know, what would be, what were some of the funnest projects that you've actually had to work on? And has there been a space where you've just walked into it and just been amazed? Like, wow, they did it right. 
um, take us there, you know, take us back to, to some of your, um, the best cafes, so to speak, uh, architecturally speaking. Um, well, Manhattan is a, um, there are a lot of showcases out here and I, um, I actually was a fan of Irving farm, um, uh, spaces, uh, before I started to work with them. And um, they really get a lot of this, you know, the service, the space, the queue, the flow, everything right. Um, I am a, a fan of Stump, uh, Stumptown um, in the West Village area. You know, that's a that's a you know very large space. And again, I think everything in that space is right. Um, hmm. And um, and I I really like you know I was really impressed by. Um, the uh, counterculture lab that I uh, visited a couple of times to learn more about coffee. And I really liked the vibe in there. And there were sort of these tier type spaces where people could uh, sit on as if they're in an auditorium, like a relaxed uh, setting and you're yeah. just watching. And, and I realized more and more, you know, what a big, um, what a big cultural element coffee became hmm. and i would i would also categorize that in in two aspects one would be that you know the lay the lay person um loves coffee and hmm. he or she would spend money on you know for a brewer grinder this and that and sort of experience um it's, it's a personal experience they would they started to select their own coffee beans so the public, I think American public is getting very, very educated about this. And they go to, believe it or not, they go to these cuppings. They go to learn mm. about how to brew the right uh, coffee or learn about the espresso machine. So a lot of this is happening. And um, and I think it's it's making the market bigger. Yeah. Um, I was going to say one more thing, um, but I forgot. Oh, that happens to me like every 30 <laughs> <Yeah>. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So I do have to I do have to ask you, Salim. If you remember, just cut me off in the middle of me talking. Um, But I I do have to ask you: um, Have there been any moments for you that you have, whether it be with your team or by yourself, had an idea or a particular moment in designing that you were like the aha moment? Is what I think some people call it, like the yes, like this was excellent, and I'm proud of this. Is there anything like that, or do you have a few things? Yeah, you know, it it does happen in every project because we sort of, um, you know, as as a firm, I mean, we're a boutique firm. It's not like I'm 20 people with my workers and interns. We just every every project, and also with my clients, by the way, because they're so emotionally engaged in their cafes, Hmm. you know. So we do um, go through a lot of thinking and exploring so when people are thinking and exploring there's always aha moments and we do create you know better and aesthetically more pleasing things to do i mean for for instance you know just looking into um the the evolving office space seating you know was an aha moment for us like gee Mm. you know these guys are really doing cool stuff that no one ever so it was sort of the graft, grafting and overlapping of completely two different, you know, markets and and institutions that that would come together. Um, I'll tell you another aha moment that, uh, you know, when I was doing actually the first project I got into was, um, you know, by an 
Indian owner who made about a million dollars on selling his lease to a huge developer in yeah. uh, in, the, in Soho, and wow. he just made he just made this because he had thirty no he had twenty extra years of lease, and this huge developer buys the building and he can't kick him out, and so right. they negotiated. And um, so he he got this million dollars from the developer, and he's like, "Oh, why don't I open a cafe?" And, <laughs> and I de- and, and I designed that cafe, wow. believe it or not. Oh, that's and really was, cool, yeah. And and it was called Iconic Cafe, and it um it it, it sort of um it failed in six months because the guy had no idea what he was doing. Oh that, no! <laughs> yeah. That's what I understood. Like hmm. you really have to know the business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In that cafe, what happened was um, I walked into, you know, he, he was he's a very nice guy. And, you know, I walked into this, uh, the store. It was sort of in half demolition. And I was it was my first time in the space. I was walking in the rubble and I found this little um, uh, picture of that looked like an Indian god. I had um, at the time, I had no idea about Hindu religion, and it was. And I did a little. I took a photo of it and I left it there. Yeah. So I did. I did a little research. You know that it was um, apparently the a photo of Krishna and uh, his lover Ratha, and you know, and apparently that's a big um, sort of epic story. And I asked my. Um, so I was really impressed by this, you know, photo, and there was a glowing. Um, anyway, I asked my client, like, what is, do you know what this is about? And he said, yeah, I put it there. I said, what do you mean? You know, I mean, he said, well, I'm a Hindu and, and I, uh, veneer, um, uh, I venerate, uh, Krishna and for good luck and prosperity, um, that I put Krishna's picture in there. And I was, you know, and we sort of both, both laughed and it was a great story. And for instance, that, that was the aha moment. So the whole cafe concept was on Krishna, you know, huh. and it, tur- oh, I it see, turned out, yeah. right, so it turned out to be a great cafe, looked great, it made onto, it made, it made many magazines, but guess what, it flunked in six months, because hmm. my client had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. So, this actually really naturally moves to our next question, which, um, so a lot of our listeners uh, want to open a cafe, and we, we had a an episode many episodes ago and it was called so you want to open a cafe and we kind of just yeah. talked through like do you really want to open a cafe or you know do you, do you really you know want to consider what it takes and yeah. financial and, and and all those things but from an architect perspective do you have any advice for uh our listeners people listening to the episode uh to this episode um any advice for them as far as uh, how they should build their shop or, or what they should be looking for? Well, I think before they open a cafe, they should at least, even if they don't have the funds to hire a designer or an architect, they should just talk to fellow um, cafe owners or, or for that matter, um, restaurateurs, because restaurateurs know a lot of uh, a lot about circulation as well. Um, right. So they, they should, I think, and all... On the internet, there and there are a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of information on this, and I would I would also argue just get on Amazon or, or go to your local um, uh, bookstore, and there are a lot of books on on cafe design, and uh, so just before 
um, going into opening cafe, which I can only talk about the, this, um, uh, the design side, they can learn a lot about how to design it, um, at least in, in terms of the flow and, and the correct placement. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. And Salim, <clears throat> your insight is incredible uh, on the Thank entire, you. you know, in the environment of uh, the cafe. Um, it's it's actually it's really it's really cool to hear you talk about it um but we are winding down to uh our last few minutes here on the episode sure, sure. Thank and you. Yeah. we always hit all of our or all of our um guests on the show with the same round of questions we call it our closing bill and okay. um let's just dive right into it so sure. as an architect where do you see coffee and design going in the next five years well as since the american public is already halfway educated about coffee they select their beans they select their equipment i think this and and i consider this like they're halfway through and i think this number will keep on growing and growing and um and and I think more and more products like the matcha and the teas will sort of become more blended with the coffee, um, uh, coffee business, I believe. And, and architecture will always be a part of it and design will always be a part of it. And, and I think the successful brands and the successful um, uh, companies will be the ones who can merge both, both you know, doing a great product, whether it's roasting or serving and designing a great store and making it look good and memorable because, um, you know, we haven't talked a lot about uh, the branding side of it, but Mm. aesthetics, aesthetics is a huge part of it. And that's why actually, you know, successful architects and designers are successful, not necessarily because, you know, they know about function. They should, you know, if you're successful, you have to know about function. But but you create something that is visually stimulating, that has a wow effect, that's like um, um, inspiring, right? And I think um, this will always be the relationship between uh, coffee and design. You're not charging us for these answers, right? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Are yeah. we going to get a bill in the mail? Please say no. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> All right. So the second question is the toughest one, I think, that everybody uh, gets on the show. And so we're going to give you a few seconds to think about it. But it's what is the single best piece of advice you've ever received in your life? Um, it doesn't have to be coffee related. Don't worry. It will pass. Hmm. Nice. You've thought about this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, because I, I think one of the, we all go through terrible stuff, you know, and I have gone through terrible stuff. And, you know, that's the, someone told me, you're, you know, you're feeling terrible now, but it will pass. And it did. Hmm. So, um, and, uh, you know, I think, listen, keep your head up and, and keep on going and, um, it will pass. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, definitely good, good words to hold on to uh, in those trials. But I've got this last question here for you, Salim, and it would be uh, resources. Do you have any resources you'd like to recommend? Um, you know, regarding architecture, regarding uh, coffee shop culture. Um, yeah, just something that's helped you along throughout the years uh, that you'd like to give back uh, to our listeners. 
Sure. Um, I would, again, I would refer people to books and to people around them who are, you know, successful in what they do and go and talk, even if they don't know them, go and talk to them. You know, everyone likes to be asked courteously about, you know, what they do well. Um, and in terms of, I would, again, from a perspective of design, which is my expertise, I would actually advise people look at, for instance, French cafes and bistros or, or any culture, really, that has, because we're, we're living on this earth, you know, let, let's say, at least in civilization, right, for thousands of years. And thousands of years, there's been hospitality. So there's a lot of information out there about how to serve something. So mm. I would re I would recommend people to really look into what were what are the um, what, what what are the most important things about these great spaces. And I'm, for instance, I've learned a lot about French bistros. I've learned a lot about uh, Irish pubs because there's mm. and there's there were a lot of books about it. I bought these books. So you know, just looking at these pictures, like. Damn, you know these people have gone have gone through this for hundreds of years, and right. and again, every inch has been thought through, and I've learned something oh. from that. No, it's awesome. That's amazing. I, I think it's so easy to overlook the resources we have right under our noses, and we're looking for some, you know, grand sign in the sky when you know Joe down the street has a successful coffee shop, and you could easily approach him and say, "Hey, Joe," you know, or even just your local library for that matter. Oh yeah, I mean, your local library. Always look back to history there. That is absolutely true. I think those two things, you know, just um, is uh, they're essential. Yeah. Well, Salim, thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing your expertise in architecture um, and really shedding a lot of light on architecture and coffee. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All righty. Bye bye now. Bye. Well, it's really great to have an architect, the coffee architect, on the coffee podcast did you see what i did there wow man uh that could be a no i won't go into that uh, anyway. i don't want to give any ideas so anyway we're we're very thankful to salim he had so much great insight on you know how should you go about looking at your coffee shop if you dream up a coffee shop every day like i do uh wes what are you thinking man i thought salim just uh was breathing life into the conversation you know his tremendous amount of knowledge on coffee history, hospitality, um, even, you know, of course, obviously architecture. And the art of uh, seats. He, dude, the art of it seating. was insane. Uh, Mind-blowing conversation. Uh, it was firing on all cylinders for me, and I hope you all enjoyed it just as much as we did. Thanks for listening to The Coffee Podcast, where focus is people and our language is coffee. Be sure to hit us up on Instagram or leave a user submission on our website at www.thecoffeepodcast.org. And you can now actually subscribe on our website to receive updated emails, subscription emails, updates. Say what? Now we can annoy you at home, too. Well, we already inbox. do annoy people at home. Spam folder, here we come. <laughs>